We're going to take communion in a a few moments, but um, this is not something that I do on a regular basis, and I'm not even sure in the six years or so that I've uh, had the privilege of being here in Dorseyville that this has ever happened. Um, But we're going to look at the love of God part two. But uh, we're going to pause on the love of God part two because I believe the Lord has a a simple word for us this morning from the book of Luke. And so we're just going to see where the Spirit of God leads us. It's one of those faith exercises for me as I seek to follow what the Spirit would have to say to his church. Luke chapter 7, if you would follow along, we're going to take communion in a moment. Luke chapter 7 beginning in uh, verse 36 through the end of the chapter. Read the passage and then um, share a few thoughts this morning as we would prepare for communion. Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Luke writes, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that, she was eat, that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two women owed money, or two men owed, men, owed money to a certain money lender. One owed him 500 denarii, which was a coin that was worth about a day's wages, so 500 days' wages, and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now which one of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled. You've judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman And said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. Yet you did not give me any water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss. But this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not pour oil on my head. But she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But he who has been forgiven little, loves little. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, who is this? who even forgives sins. And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace.
We've been in the series on lifting up our low view of God, the higher our view of God, the higher our worship of him, the more we stand in awe of him and wonder of him. Last week we talked about the love of God and various aspects of his love, that his love casts out fear, that his love initiates, it goes first, that his love is sacrificial. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, and it's the sacrifice of the, of the person of Jesus, his blood shed for us, that forgives and brings about the remission of sins. His love doesn't just bring us into a right relationship with, a, with us, or with him, but it also makes us friends with him. And his love leads us to a place where he delights in us. He doesn't just love us, he likes us. I shared at the end of the message last week about how I had to learn to receive the love of God. And how in the midst of that time, the Lord gave me a picture of my grandfather's chair and that place that I would jump up on his lap even at 14 years old and sit in his lap just to be with him. It was that image for me, that place that was the safest, that I didn't have to do anything, be anything. I could just be in my grandfather's presence and know that I was loved and receive his love there. And how the Lord gave me that image of come to be with me, come sit with me in that chair. <laughs> my grandfather not there, but the Father there, come receive, come be with me, receiving the love. And so I believe the Lord just prompts us to look here in Luke 7 because sometimes there's a disconnect for us in receiving the love of God because of the reality of coming to a place where we recognize he accepts us where we're at, where the barrier of sin that he has already taken away but we sometimes don't allow ourselves to go through. The hymnist wrote, he breaks the power of canceled sin. What is the power of canceled sin? How can you have the power of canceled sin? There are sometimes where sin just remains for us as a barrier. For him, he's washed it white as snow, but this is the power of shame. This is where I don't go into his presence because I allow sin from my past and I allow the enemy to condemn me and to keep me and I live in this place where I look down instead of look up, where I, I stand at a distance from the Father rather than sitting in the chair with him. But he breaks the power, sin is a power, it's not just right and wrong, sin is a power. He breaks the power of canceled sin. He sets the prisoner free to be able to come, not just for salvation, but to be able to come and to receive and to be in that close relationship where we receive the love of the Father. We see this illustrated in these two people in this story. You have Jesus at the center of the whole thing, but you have a sinful woman, which we don't know what her sin was, but we do know that everybody in town knew. Most likely she was probably a woman of ill repute. She was probably... It was probably sexual sin of some nature. That would have been the thing for women in that day that would have made a woman a sinful woman. But everyone knew it. Here she is. And it's interesting that she's there. 
This Pharisee, Simon, it was the custom of the day when there was a, a new rabbi, new teacher that was the hot thing for when he would come to town for the Pharisee, who was the leading Pharisee, to say, come to my house, we'll have dinner, and we'll discuss. They love to discuss. They love to talk about the latest ideas. How do you interpret this part of the law, this part of the law? And so they would sit around, and they would have these discussions. And so Jesus, being the teacher of the day, coming through, Simon, the leading Pharisee most likely in the town, he says, come to my house, and we'll have this meal. But this woman is there. What you need to understand about the culture of the day is when these invitations went out, anybody could come. But they would stand along the outside of the wall of the house, and these were usually at night, so it's dark, and so there's candles that are lit to light it. So on the outside edges of the room is where anybody could come in if they were not invited, but they just heard and they wanted to come. They could come, but they were to stand on the edges while Simon and Jesus and the others who were the invited guests came and lounged at the table. They reclined at the table. But actually, the table would be in the middle. They would have pillows, and they would lean so that the, if, if the communion table here is where they're at, they would, they would get down on the ground, and they would lean, and they would eat this way. They would recline at the table. Their feet would be away. And so his feet were towards the outside of the room. And here is this woman among how many others had found their way in, and they're all on the edges, and they're in the shadows. The light would have been in the middle, but the outside would have been dark. Isn't that a picture for where she's at? (laughs) She's this woman of ill repute, this sinful woman, and she's there in the shadows. She's away. Jesus says, the end of this whole encounter, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. You see the faith of this woman? So desperate to encounter Jesus. She comes to this place where everyone knew who she was, willing to stand in the shadows, but she doesn't just stay there. She comes out of the shadows to the feet of Jesus. Not, hey, Jesus, I need something from you coming in all of her brokenness, coming in the depths of her need, weeping, weeping from the broken place that she was in, the weight of her sin upon her, the weight of her guilt, the weight of her shame, the weight of rejection from those in the town and the community who knew this woman, the weight of it all, and she comes to the presence of Jesus and she just can't. Stop weeping. So much so that her tears provide enough moisture that with her hair she can wash the feet of Jesus. You've heard the, the waterworks <laughs> where the tears just flow and flow and flow and flow. You know, there's like the the okay cry, and then there's the ugly cry. <laughs> this woman is in the ugly cry stage. I mean, it's just, it, it's uncontrollable. You can imagine just all of the guilt, all the shame, all the weight, all the rejection, everything is just pouring out. The emotion, she can't contain it. It's pouring out, and it's just flooding her eyes with tears, and they're falling on the feet of Jesus to where she can wipe his feet 
with her tears in her hair where she kisses his feet, where she pours this costly perfume and anoints his feet. Do you see the picture of this woman? Do you see the desperation of this woman? And then you have Simon. You have Simon who's there and going, this guy's not a prophet. Because if he was a prophet, he would know who this is. He would know her, and he would know that she should be nowhere near him. So Jesus asked the question, Simon, Imagine someone has 500 days wages of debt and another has 50. And it's canceled by both. Who will have the greater level of love? Simon answers, the one who had the bigger debt. He says, you've answered correctly. You've judged correctly. Jesus makes this amazing statement. He says, Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, for she loved much. But she, or but he who has been forgiven little, loves little. See, she experienced the forgiveness and the love of Jesus in a way that Simon didn't. Was Simon any less a sinner than her? What we like to do is we like to like balance it out. You know, oh, there's her. Whoa, yeah, her. She's going to throw the scales way down. Yeah, I'm not bad. I'm not that, you know, I'm bad. I got some stuff. But comparatively, if we weighed us out, the reality is all of us, all of us are as in need of the love and the forgiveness of Jesus as the next person. And and see, Jesus makes this point. He's saying to the degree of which we understand what we need to be forgiven of and what we have been forgiven of will directly relate to how much we experience the love of God. If I think I've got 50 days wages worth of forgiveness, I'm gonna be like, hey, thanks, that was cool. 50 days wages, if I work hard, I'm gonna be like, I can pay this thing down. I can do this. 500? Ooh. 500 days wages? I'm going to do this, but man, this is going to be tough. 10 times as much forgiveness? Here's what he's saying. He's saying the more we recognize what we have been forgiven of, the more we stand in awe and wonder at the love and the forgiveness of God, the more we understand what we've been forgiven of, the more the sacrifice of Jesus means to us.
I was six years old when I came to know Christ. The thing that haunted me the most that I knew I needed forgiveness for was when my mom took me and my brother and sister to the grocery store and I asked for peanuts and she said, no, we can't get peanuts today. And so I decided I'm gonna have a peanut. And there was a bin of peanuts with a scooper that you would scoop into, your ba- into the bag. You'd take home, you'd weigh it, they'd weigh it out for you, you know, and then you'd take home, you'd shell those, whole peanuts, you'd shell them at home. And so I walked by and I sticky fingered it. One whole peanut. I didn't even get a handful, I got one. One measly, lousy peanut. And man, I got home and my brother found out. I'm going to tell. I, was, I ran to the garbage can. I threw it in there as fast as I could. Hide the evidence. Well, it was too late. It was too late. <laughs> my mom found out. We got it back. She said, the next time we go back, you are returning that peanut. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mom. We're going to return that peanut. She was merciful to me. She did not make me go to the manager and say, I stole this peanut. She said, when we go, you're going to put it back. So we got there. My parent, everyone else in my family had gone on to the next aisle, and I had my peanut, and I looked around, making sure there was nobody who was going to see me, and I dropped the peanut in, and I hightailed it out of there so fast, I ran into a sunflower seed display and knocked it all over the place. Now, at my age, I was a horrible, low-down, terrible sinner. This thing guilted me and haunted me. I was the worst. Now, imagine at six years old when I know that I need Jesus, and that's the thing that I hold. (laughs) It's kind of funny, right? Well, here's the thing. As I grew up, my sin increased. And when my sin increased, my hiding increased. My hiding in the shadows increased. But I wasn't willing to come out of the shadows into the light. But I was still comparing myself to others based on my peanut. And oh, I'm not as bad as that person and that person and that person. And that person, the ones who were outward sinners, the ill repute woman. I was a pretty good Pharisee, but inside, as I was sinning and I was hiding because I didn't want to bring this out into the light. You know what also happened? In my hiding, I stayed away from Jesus. Sure, I was a good Christian. I read my Bible, I prayed. I, I went to youth events. I did all kinds of, I, I, I had it. 
I, I had faith. There's no doubt I had faith, but you know what I didn't have? I didn't have encounters with Jesus because I didn't want to get too close because I was afraid that if I get too close and the light exposes what is in deep, everything I build up is going to fall apart. Will God love me? Will Jesus love me? Will people love me? You know, it wasn't until the Lord broke my heart with the weight of my sin and I had no other recourse but to come out of the darkness and into the light that I found that Jesus is as he says he is here in the word. He is the one who says, ah, this woman, she hasn't stopped weeping. She hasn't stopped kissing. She hasn't stopped wiping my feet. She has been the one who anointed me. While these things should have been done, she's the one. I found Jesus not as the one who says, how could you? But who says, ah, child, Your faith has saved you from this because you've let me into this. Now let me set you free. So sometimes we may be the one sitting around the table, but we're actually, physically we're there, but spiritually we're the ones hiding in the shadows. We're here, and everybody sees us, and we're putting it on. We're, we're the Simons of the day. We're, we're looking good. But in reality, it's a heart level, experiencing the forgiveness of God, we're, we're the ones in the shadows, staying away from Jesus because we know. Friends, if that's where you're at, I can tell you that Jesus welcomes, he welcomes us. And if you're the one in the shadows and you're like, I gotta come to Jesus and you're the one who is saying, everybody thinks I'm this or everyone will think I'm like this if I come out and I really share what's going on deep in my soul. Friends, Jesus never turned away a person who came out of the darkness and embraced the light. And there is where we find forgiveness poured out. There is where we receive the love of the Father in a way that is not surface, but is the way that we sit in the chair of intimacy with him. He never turns someone away who comes. And the more we recognize and reckon with our sin, not to condemn ourselves, but to be honest with the Lord and with others, he who has been forgiven little, loves little. He who has been forgiven much, loves much. We receive the love of the Father, 
we are able to love others. It's interesting who the real example is in this story, isn't it? Ultimately, Jesus is the hero. He's always the hero of the story. But it's interesting who the one that is held up as be like this person. It's not the one that we would expect, not the religious person who has it all together, who knows it all. It's the one who didn't have it together. Probably didn't know much, but she knew who she needed. She knew she needed Jesus. And she did whatever it took, not worried about what others thought, not worrying about the cost that, it co- that she would pay. She came. And she came out of the darkness to the feet of Jesus. Wouldn't it be fun to meet her someday? Just thought of that. Won't that be fun? When we're with all the saints around the throne, And we're like, you're the woman of Luke 7? Tell me about it. But you know her life is speaking to us today. By the Spirit of God, her life is speaking to us today. So let's come to Jesus together. Let's come to Jesus together. We just want to spend some time at the communion table. Sometimes we might feel like communion is a little tag on at the end. But yet every time the believers got together, they, they came around the table. And they broke bread and they drank the cup. The Apostle Paul said, every time you eat together, Do this in remembrance of me. And so we come, not with a a quick peel it back and eat the little wafer and peel it back and drink the little juice and lickety split, we're on our way. But let's just wait in the presence of Jesus. We believe that that communion, Jesus says, the Apostle Paul said that Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me until he returns. But there is, I think, a, a reality that the presence of God is with us And as we gather around the table, this doesn't turn into anything. It's still bread and it's still grape juice. But I do believe that because Jesus is present with us, he's able to do something with us and in us as we gather around, as we remember what has been done. The body broken for us. His blood shed for us. That we might encounter the elders would come at this time and want to celebrate communion together. And as we would do so, if we would just walk us through, but if the Spirit of God is moving on your heart, 
he also gives some direction on what he wants to do. That may mean coming to ask for prayer. That may mean finding a trusted friend here to talk and to say, can you pray with me about this? It may be just to simply be in the presence of the Lord and to rejoice in what you have been forgiven of. For he who has been forgiven little loves little, and he who has been forgiven much loves much. Maybe it's just remembering all that the Lord has forgiven us of, not to guilt us and to shame us, but to rejoice in it and to reflect upon that great love that sent Christ to the cross. As these would be distributed, as these would be distributed, I would ask that you would just simply hold on to this until everyone has been served. And then as the elders would come back and everyone has been served, we'll take communion together. But take these moments to be with the Lord and then we'll just wait upon what he wants to do. So may the Lord bless you men as you serve.
in that encounter, I was reminded that the woman demonstrated a spirit of humility. Simon had this spirit of pride of, I've got this. And yet Jesus is the one who, whose attitude we follow and who shows us the way. And that is the way of humility. He became a servant. He became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Which then Philippians 2 tells us that he, as a result of that, is exalted to the highest place. It's an upside-down kingdom. It's an upside-down way. And sometimes we want to come with our strength. The Lord invites us to come in our weakness and in our brokenness out of the shadows and into the light to receive from him. It's the way of the kingdom. It's the way of Christ. And so we hold up Jesus and we reflect and we celebrate the one who on the night that he was betrayed took bread and he broke it for his body would be broken and given for us. He said, as often as you would take this bread and you would eat this bread, you remember my body given for you on the cross. Let's celebrate and let's rejoice in the forgiveness that is ours because of his body given for us. Let us eat the bread, peeling that top layer away. Let's eat the bread together. haven't already, just peel that second layer back to expose the, the juice below it. Jesus, as he gathered with his disciples on that last supper after the bread being given, after supper he took the cup and he said, this cup represents the new covenant in my blood. No longer is it the blood of bulls and goats that will bring forgiveness of sin, but it is my blood that will be shed for the forgiveness of your sin. As we would come out of the darkness, come into the light, come into the presence of Jesus. Let us drink in thanksgiving and remembrance together the blood of Jesus that takes away our sin. Let us drink together. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your humility, for your obedience. We thank you for being the one who takes our sin and paid for it. 
We're thankful that you're the one who comes and who welcomes us. We praise you as our Savior this morning. We praise you also as our sanctifier, the one who breaks the power of canceled sin and who makes us more like yourself. We thank you and we praise you as our savior, as our, as our healer, not only our savior and sanctifier, but our healer as well. That you heal us, body, soul, and spirit. And we praise you and we thank you that you are our coming king who as you come, when you come, you will make all things right. And this order of things will be no more, for it will have passed away. Holy Spirit, come in these moments as we would conclude this service together, but as we would wait in your presence. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh upon us. Meet us where we at or are at at the point of our need. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. So as we would sing this last song this morning, uh, the elders would be here, there'd be others who may be able to pray with you as well, but if there are need for salvation, coming to know Jesus, maybe, maybe on the, you've been on the outside and you're saying, I need to come to Christ, I wanna meet that Jesus as Savior. Maybe there's some sanctifying work, some being made like Jesus. Maybe there are things, the power of canceled sin is there, or there is still some sin that's there and it's, it's got its hold on you. And you say, I, I wanna be like what I heard this morning. I wanna be like that woman. I wanna come out of the darkness and into the light. I want to meet Jesus, knowing that he doesn't condemn us and shame us. He welcomes us so that he can do ministry in us. Maybe there's some healing work, whether it be physical or emotional, or mental, whatever it may be, by his stripes, the scriptures say, we are, we are healed. His, his blood has paid the price for our healing. Maybe you just need some hope. Maybe you just need some hope this morning. We would have opportunity to be able to come and to pray as we would t sing this last song together.